coming up on this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. Lars DeCenza joins Will and I as we talk about the first two episodes of Picard Season 3. Don't miss it. It's coming up right after this. I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're... The, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds! Nerds. Nerds. We are <laughs> We are here with the inimitable inimitable? That's a word, right? Inimitable. Um Lars Desenza. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't call you anything terrible, Lars. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever used that word before. Inimitable. <laughs> I should fine. Google it, make sure I didn't say anything bad about you. Just uh, anyway, you Lars. <laughs> uh, Lars Desenza is here. Uh, Casey, aka Holodeck 4, was also going to be here, but she had a migraine come up. Ah, here we go. Inimitable. So good or unusual as to be impossible to copy or unique. There, go, well, there we go. That's like, it's a compliment. I think, you know, right? Sure. <laughs> Inimitable. I have a so migraine. We... Can I buy out? Oh, you do? No, no I don't. Oh, okay. I'm I was going to say. I'm not making fun of Casey, by the way. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, the uh, it, it it's hard. It's hard when we're in different time zones. That's all. It, it must be hard for you fellows living in the future. <laughs> what's, what's it like in the far long future of three hours from now? Well, Are we still alive? <laughs> Michael Keaton is there <laughs> in a Batman suit. <laughs> Which apparently, uh, spoiler warning, he's going to be playing Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Is that real? Uh, well, I saw on the internet and everything on the internet is true. So, everything. you know, everything. Well, that's the Flashpoint <laughs> storyline, but yeah, yeah, that w- I know that was in the Flashpoint Paradox, uh, both the DC animated movie and I'm trying to think. Of, I think I've read the comic as well, but it was definitely in the animated movie. You know, that's so. amazing. You guys are sitting there and I like I see your lips moving and I'm a comic book fan, but I see your lips <laughs> moving. All I hear is. <laughs> are you a Marvel, Marvel guy? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, um, Marvel is my favorite like comic book universe but mm. superman has always been my favorite superhero uh okay there you go batman batman is mine uh i'm a, I'm a batman guy that the one uh comic book series that i collect is, is is batman's i've got a number of batman graphic novels nice. you know uh was it trade paperback is that the right term will uh that i've collected yeah. over the years but i haven't done too much other i do have a couple of star trek uh trade paperbacks though actually from idw publishing so i i i have one sitting on my my bookshelf at home that was actually uh autographed by the by the person who wrote it um oh actually yeah by the author of the of the the comic uh not by the person who actually drew it or anything but hey who cares nice yeah Uh, i I imagine that (laughs) i imagine that is one um 
benefit of living in the city of angels is that, you know, you're closer to the San Diego comic-con. Do you, do you ever make it down to the San Diego comic-con? Thankfully, no. Oh, really? <laughs> do they, I'm sure they have one up in Los Angeles though, right? I, oh, they I, do. They have, they do have LA comic-con. That's usually in like October, November. Um, mm-hmm. I have been to that. Um, and I'll tell you what, I figured out the, the best way to go. And that is to, to go as press because ah. you pay to get in. Nice. There you go. There you go. That's true. If you're a, you're a podcast. Hey, Will. Yeah. There's the thought. Maybe we can start doing that. Like uh, we have the big one over here is Heroes Con down in Charlotte. And uh, what Charlotte. Is, when is that coming up again? Or do we miss it? It's June. June. Okay. Around June. Father's Day. That's right. I didn't make it last year. I forget why. But yeah, this year we need to be down there and represent. Have like... I'm planning to have business cards for the podcast. Like I've already cool. got an idea cool. of what I want to do with it. And we'll just like handing those out like candy. Yep. Um, we need to have some kind of drawing and stuff too, like a, a prize or something. Get some, get some traction for the podcast. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. You gotta go out there and hawk your wares, man. Kajit has wares if you have coin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. You got to go out there, do the Star Trek thing. Represent. Right, throw your gang signs. People are like, hey, what are you throwing gang signs for me? <laughs> it's like, it's like eh, eh, I'm Jewish. Ah, <laughs> nice. Now that that's a deep, deep Star <laughs> Trek reference. Uh, you got to be a Leonard Nimoy fan, I think, to to get that. One. Maybe it's not that deep, I but like, that it's it's more behind the scenes Star Trek reference. I I honestly feel like when people like talk about Star Trek trivia, it used to be like. Oh wow, that's so interesting! And now it's like the, I know more Star Trek trivia than you do. Like, <laughs> you know what this means and what that means and where it came from. And like, oh man, okay, like you cannot literally cannot watch anything about behind the scenes Star Trek or Star Trek trivia without knowing the origin of the Vulcan salute or everything. <laughs> like, I mean, come on, like, it's it true. Is, it's full on nuts. But yeah. <laughs> um, but it's so funny because they just like, did you know this? Did you know that? Yep. <laughs> oh, I bet you didn't know this. Mm-hmm, I knew that. <laughs> All right, man. All right, cool. Who's who's the who's the more religious Trekkie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we did a we did a an episode uh, of Treknicity where we covered uh, religion and Trek, and and mm-hmm. we realized and we realized um, two things. One, Gene Roddenberry had to be an atheist, and two, the man was a certifiable manho. And I'm telling you what, you watch the first season of TNG, and it is on. Like, dude, like, man, I mean, I don't even know how they got that through the censors. Oh, justice? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They make love at the drop of a hat. Where's my hat? (laughs) (laughs) oh man Uh, oh one of the reasons why there's a lot of fodder for casey's memes right (laughs) or the memes that she (laughs) oh yeah mr will william thomas Riker. like like, clear clear (laughs) clear like Mm. like it's a trove it's like it's like hitting pater when i look at her her facebook page (laughs) yeah she she finds a lot of good ones and she's made a few herself too but yeah she uh, yeah, she must be following so many different accounts. But um, oh, let's see. 
lost my train of thought. We we got about so I'm gonna be upgrading by the time we do this again. I will have upgraded to Zoom Pro. Uh, but yeah, we do have a, right. a limit on this first session here. So in about two minutes, we'll be pausing for messages and ads and all that good stuff, and then coming back uh, to flesh out the rest. But you we totally, are here. You know, you totally could bank on that. Like you could totally cash in on the whole thing. Like when you get down to two minutes, like you'd have a whistle and like blow it like it's two minutes. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> two minute warning, man. <laughs> All right, let's go. Come on, team. Let's go. Let's push oh, yeah. two minutes. We've got it. Build up we some suspense. It. It's like yeah. it's like, all right, give us a synopsis of Star Trek Interaction in two minutes. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like the micro machines guy to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a podcast that that does that um what's the name of it can't think of it right now they mostly talk about marvel um but they um they do that whenever they review a film they do this little contest of like i think they take turns like i think it's like 90 seconds they have to they have to basically ad lib summarize the film so it's a it's a contest it's like nice. can you can you do nice. it <laughs> oh my god we have 90 seconds left now um so we're not going to try to summarize much of anything, but um, we are here to talk about Star Trek Picard season three, episodes one and two. And uh, yeah, definitely missing Casey. I know she would have had a lot of good input. Um, we'll have to see if we can get her to, to hop on tomorrow and give us, uh, give us her thoughts. Um, but yeah, when we come back, we're, we're going to jump in and, uh, and talk about those two episodes and, and what we thought. And uh, we'll, have you done your homework? Have yeah. you gotten a chance to see him? Yeah, I, I got awesome. halfway through episode two, but otherwise, yes. Ah, okay. Well, that's okay, because nothing important happened in the last half of the second episode. <laughs> You're fine. Don't worry about it. All right, well, we'll be, we'll be back after these messages. Hey, nerds. Richard here, asking you to consider supporting this podcast if you go to our website anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd right there on the top of the page is a support button click on that and then you can select the level at which you would like to support us you can do 99 cents a month 4.99 a month or even 9.99 a month and as i've said before if you agree to do 9.99 a month will will come to your house and give you a hug and a kiss no, not really. Just kidding. <laughs> but you will definitely receive our gratitude. So take a minute today to go on there and let us know that you love us because, you know, we're desperate for that. So just let us know. <laughs> Thanks, nerds. Now back to our regular schedule program. And we are back. We're back. So let's jump right in to talking about Picard's season three, episodes one and two. So I thought we could do this sequentially. I mean, that makes sense, right? We'll talk about episode one first and then jump into episode two afterwards. Um, just reading a little blurb here off IMDb, a summary of episode one titled The Next Generation. Wonder why. Uh, after receiving a distress call from Beverly Crusher, Jean-Luc Picard enlists help 
from generations old and new for one last adventure, a mission that will change Starfleet and his old crew forever. Sounds like marketing. <laughs> a marketing summary. I mean, I guess that's what all summaries are to, to an extent. So, what did uh, you guys think of the opening? Well, definitely a big change from the previous two seasons of Picard, which the opening titles were very uh, Picard-centric, um, which, of course, I mean, hey, he's the he's the namesake of the of the series so it makes sense that the titles were very much about um him as a character but um as uh my hetero life mate patrick uh uh quips um this new season of picard is the tng reunion tour um <laughs> so they had to they had to make it a way to i guess do service to um to everybody who was going to be there and the best way to do that was to bring in um the tng score um mm -hmm. and to um you know kind of give a nod to the, the nostalgia of um, people who are fans of the tng series and movies i i even heard some which i loved the i think the one i enjoyed the most um still to my mind like one of the most beautiful themes of the star trek films but the the theme from star trek insurrection um probably the only good thing about that movie <laughs> and, um i saw that they popped that in there which i don't know if that's like a clue uh to what's coming or not if they're gonna make connections but uh i thought that was cool and i even heard a little bit of the klingon theme from star trek the motion picture i don't know if you picked that's up on that like during during uh, uh, one of the one of the episodes, not like yeah. necessarily right at the beginning, but like during one of the episodes, it just got me thinking about the music. So yeah. how how spoilerific do you want to go with this? Oh, well, this is gonna be a little different. Like normally, if we do a movie review, we've been trying to do a spoiler-free review up front and then jump in. But I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how we'll do that with this. Like. Cause this is different. This is two episodes of a TV series. Yeah. Let's just jump right in with spoilers. spoilers let's do, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, and obviously if you haven't seen the first two seasons, like why are you even listening to this? You know, you're going to get spoiled. So it's like, yeah, let's jump right in. No spoil away, sir. Well, the, the thing is, yeah. The with, seasons one and two they were very interconnected i mean you had a set of characters that largely appeared in both of them you know um but with season three um only a, a couple are, are back um and that means that we knew they were going to kind of grab the ship's wheel and and spin it um so we knew that the whole thing was going to kind of go in a different direction but of course i don't know like i one thing I've tried to try to do as of late is be less critical of, um, of the Trek. I don't like, um, you know, namely uh, most of new Trek with the exceptions of prodigy lower decks and strange new worlds. Um, the, um, you know, I've been very, very vocal about how I don't like um, these series um, because they, they take such a huge departure from what I was used to in a Star Trek series. Um, but that being said, Seasons one and two told a very different story. Um, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. You'll you'll learn some stuff about um, a, a lot of the characters. 
But if you want pure, unadulterated fan service where they are going to go opening Pandora's box and let it all out, stay <laughs> watching season three because it has been basically, they just basically just opened the box up and went like that and just... <laughs> I just pour it all out. Just whatever, man. Every find every every reference you can, make it linked everywhere you can, um, and and just go hog wild because we know that this is going to be the last time we see Sir Patrick Stewart portray the <coughs> Picard on on the small screen or big screen. Yeah, and he's getting up there too. He's what eighty four now, maybe eighty three. I know he's right up in there. And um, so yeah, like for him as I imagine he's ready to to hang it up after like this is. So I'm hoping they do justice to that. Um, One admit- thing I will say is that um, if you if you like Star Trek two and you like Star Trek three and you like Star Trek six. Mm-hmm. You're gonna like the first two episodes because we didn't put it on the screen, but we had I had Patrick in the last episode hitting a mm-hmm. ding and a bell <laughs> every time. Every time there was a reference or a callback to some other series or movie, and I mean it's just like it was ding, 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 you know. <laughs> but if you like those th- those three movies, you're gonna love the first two episodes of of uh, Picard season three. I do like those two, those three movies. Um, I have to admit, though, this is first impressions, and I have mixed feelings about the first two episodes, uh, which I guess in some sense I've had mixed feelings about the series as a whole. But um, without giving too much away about my thoughts at this point, you know, I do have some mixed feelings and, at this point about the first two. But as a fan of TNG, you know, obviously I love seeing my favorite characters up there i like that they started with crusher uh, with beverly crusher and a, a different side a more intense side of beverly crusher like i don't i'm trying to remember if we ever saw her kill somebody in tng or even in the movies i'm trying to remember you know because she's always saving people's lives but yeah i don't no, remember if she ever shot anybody no i think you're right because she's was very much the pacifist doctor um even to the point in in first contact when the borg are trying to break their way into sick bay she activates the emh and tells her to do a song tell it was a uh was it tell a tell a joke do a dance just just stall them you know so they Sing, could get away sings this and time, opera <laughs> it, there, was, there was no pacifist doctor crusher it was dr badass now i mean the two words that, that i could most accurately describe beverly crusher in in the cold open of episode one or clack clack (laughs) (laughs) yeah we had some was that repeating phase rifles going on there too like with some uh, complete with some star wars-esque machine gun sound effect (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've always been a fan always been a fan of of um like repeating energy weapons like that and i you don't you so rarely see them in a way that's cool and you're just like because you're like there's no like anytime you see it it's always like it was always sort of milk toast it was very weak and kind of boring um i think you saw more of it in enterprise but um it was still this time you know i mean like somebody's (laughs) being stitched from the breakfast you know it's like 
if you get in the way, it's no wonder she got shot twice, you know? Uh, yeah. She got shot twice. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I will say, though, like, I mean, she did get hit. Um, but the part where she probably should have gotten hit, where she's like literally running in front of the energy weapon, yeah. they miss somehow. <laughs> Somehow. Okay, so they're stormtroopers. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, another, yeah. Like when when uh Han Solo is running away, <laughs> it's like yeah. somehow they they're all missing him, and he just turns around like. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that that was a pretty cool fight scene though, and and I liked seeing her in action. Um, I do think that that intensity. You know, we did see that from her. Not definitely not in every episode. Um, I wonder if I wonder if Gates McFadden even had to fight for that a bit because in a lot of episodes in TNG, I feel like she's like very nurturing, very like. I mean, she's a doctor, but a female doctor as well. So they, I don't know how much of that was her choice, how much of that was directing and writing. Um, but you didn't. But there were some episodes where you saw like. Um, crusader beverly you know where she's like fighting for something she really believes in fighting for people's lives to be protected like you saw the intensity in there so i didn't find it too unbelievable that she had gotten involved in uh, in um i don't know what you call it black market uh medicine like maybe yeah a better term well again you know one thing we've seen in the entire picard series i think is that um we saw the 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 somewhat polished yet still underbelly grimy uh, view of the future with TNG. Like I mean, basically with TNG, they did the same thing that they did the original series, and that was they used narrative to put forth their social agenda. Um, I, I mean, right now my wife and I are currently going through. Um, the the tng series and we're like sort of mid third season and there's the episode where um where crusher gets kidnapped by uh the people who are fighting for their independence and i'm like hmm where have we seen this before you know and again it's all <laughs> social commentary because it was it was the early 90s it was like 1990 91 and you know we're sort of like at this point where like, hmm, what else was going on around that time? Oh, yeah, the Troubles in Ireland. Um, and, of course, again, using using creative na- narrative to um, to tell a, a, a social or to make a social point. And that's exactly what they've done all along. So uh, even in as they've gone through with um, like Picard season, uh, season one and season two, um, you know, when when seven of nine comes back, you know, I mean, initially she is a Fenris Ranger and they are basically vigilantes. Um, so the, the people, good people doing bad things for good reasons. Um, and that's exactly this, the same, same tack they've taken with, um, with Beverly. Now, you know, she's a good person doing bad things for good reasons. What you will, what, um, uh... How'd you feel about the opening and and how they portrayed Beverly's character? Uh, I don't know. Well, like you said, it's definitely surprising, but uh, uh, I also haven't seen The Next Generation in a long time, but my memories uh, of her, she's, um, uh, like y'all said, more nurturing, uh, but, you know, it was really exciting opening. Uh, Definitely 
not sure who our mystery uh, assailants are. That's definitely new. I don't recall seeing anything, any characters looking like that before. I guess my attention was more on the mystery uh, there. Yeah, I was curious about, which obviously they, I'm assuming they attend us to be, was curious about that as well. Like um, who the aliens, you know, a couple of thoughts I had initially was like, is this like the new Borg like showing up? And, and but then it, it seemed like that kind of drifted away, like the further you get into the two episodes there and you get the big reveal of the, the season three baddie. Yeah. Uh, with, um, with the introduction of this new big bad guy sort of thing, um, or big bad evil, whatever you like, um, the, you're like, you, I mean, of course, like they're, they're, they're teasing you. I mean, they're, they're wetting your chops because you want to know who could possibly want to hurt Beverly Crusher. She's the coolest. <laughs> she's so nice. And, you know, she's always so sweet. And it's like, no, no, this, this, the, if I had a if I had a criticism, a real genuine criticism of of any part of it, it's that this is very much Kurtzman era Star Trek. So what we are seeing is we're seeing the gritty side of of Star Trek. They're taking um, our neat, polished characters that we've come to love over the last thirty some odd years, and they're rubbing them in the dirt so they make them gritty and make them edgy, and because that's what that's what people who are our age now, who were, you know, who, who are our age now, as we were back then watching TNG, we wanted to see something different than the original series. We wanted to see more realistic, um, uh, in, you know, situations. We wanted to see characters we could um, more identify with as who we were at the time. That's how it is now. I mean, it's just by virtue they're trying to bridge those two things they're trying to tap into the nostalgia of tng fans from the 80s and 90s and mixing it with fans of new trek who like that darker grittier edgier um, side of the franchise yeah i think um you do see some of that like they started to go that direction a bit with the TNG films, I feel like particularly when you get to um, to Nemesis, like Nemesis kind of went in a very different direction. Like you, so I think they maybe were trying to move that way a bit. But yeah, it's it's a different feel. I mean, this is almost twenty years. Well, it is twenty years later, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, both both within the Picard universe, but also you know within ours, uh, twenty years later. Um. So kind of moving the narrative along a little bit, you know, we talked about the opening and Crusher obviously gets in trouble, you know, she's critically injured and then she sends a, a message to Picard through his really old communicator. Like uh, the impression is that it would have been about the model that he wore around the time of Nemesis, you know, so it's just sitting in a box like in his study and somehow she, she sends a secret message just to his communicator or like an encoded data file, I guess, and gets in touch with him. And he then goes and meets up with Will Riker. Um, here's where I had some, some issues with the first episode myself of like how 
Will and Picard um, get out there to where Beverly has last been, at least where the message was sent from. Um, how did you guys feel about kind of the the Titan storyline and like how they got out there? How how'd you all feel about that? I'll let you go, Will. I talk a lot. I talk a lot when I get on these shows. <laughs> That's okay. You know more than I do, but I'm going to say blatant fan service. <laughs> Get them back <laughs> on the ship. <laughs> Not the original ship, the Titan, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, okay, you're right. I mean, look, there's so many callbacks to different series and movies um, in that entire uh, storyline because you look at the, the Neo-Constitution class. It, it is basically a marriage of um, of Kirk's era design with more TNG based elements or more, you know, 25th century elements. And, um, and even when they're like, they're in space dock and they're going out of space dock, you hear, you you hear hints of the Star Trek two and Star Trek three music playing, you know, things mm-hmm. playing when they're doing that. Um, a, a lot of that, again, a lot of this is, is, very much a callback to those movies um even the even the jacket if you look closely look at the jacket that that beverly's wearing um before she was when she's on um the ilios it is almost identical to the field jackets that they wore in star trek two and three and um uh there's just so many so many different um again attempts to whip up and stir up that nostalgia and don't get me wrong i mean it's cool but it does make a little bit of a convoluted story i mean these two guys i mean okay let's let's be bluntly honest (laughs) uh liam shaw is an asshat he's a competent officer but he's an asshat and (laughs) the thing is you know they come to him they're like hey we're just gonna pull rank and we're gonna pretend to do a surprise inspection he's like no i'm not doing it wait a minute what (laughs) like wait a minute um, excuse me, sir, Admiral. See right there? Admiral. I don't <laughs> care if he's retired. The dude has gravitas. Um, you don't sit there and and you don't you don't crap all over the the um the previous captain of the Titan. You don't call his his music bebop. <laughs> you um you don't you don't uh disparage Chateau Picard by saying you're a Malbach man. You know, personally, I mean, look, it is obvious. It is absolutely obvious that they wrote the character of Shaw as a foil, as somebody who you could hate almost as much as the big bad evil, because you're just like, oh, my goodness, how could this guy not do what the heroes need to do? They need (laughs) to get to the system. They need to get there and do this. Like, come on, man. You know, well, that's where that's where that's where I felt the the writing lacked a little bit is uh because Will Riker in his conversation with Picard mentions that Shaw isn't an, an asshole basically. And I'm like, okay, well then why are you going to this guy and trying to fool him? You know, why not go another route? Well, of course Picard off he does um offer his uh, reservations. <laughs> but yeah, that that's where I, I tend to agree with you, Will. Is like it's almost like this is an excuse to to get the Titan into the series, which. I'm not. I'm not knocking that. I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, so I don't think we've seen it in anything yet. Like you, you hear it men- mentioned in Nemesis because Will and Diana are going to go off 
you know, he's going to captain the Titan. Obviously it's in the, some of the novels and the extended universe, but I don't think we've seen it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lars, but in anything up until this point, right? No, we have other than maybe a video game, maybe. No, we have not seen the Titan uh, make a a canon appearance uh, other than the mention of it in uh, Nemesis. Um, The, um, the thing is that, yes, I mean, using the Titan as a way to, I guess, shoehorn um, certain elements of the story in there is okay. I mean, again, it's it's inconsequential. It's, an, it's a neat design for a starship. It's kind of a cool concept. Don't think it fits very well into the story, but who cares? I mean, seriously, it's a TV <laughs> show. Who cares? Yeah, um, and, um, you know, I still enjoyed it. What the, the biggest... The biggest thing to take away from all this is that one, they are obviously, I mean, it is, it is without a doubt, they are trying to do fan service left, right, and center. I mean, you can't turn around, you can't do a 180 without bumping into fan service or some callback to something. I mean, let's talk about it for a second. Um, they when in, in uh the episode, they come aboard the Titan, you hear the boatswain's whistle. Okay. Same thing happens when the Klingons show up on on the Enterprise in Star Trek Six. Same, I mean, almost same scene. Okay, um, we have uh, Picard and Riker showing up on the bridge of the Titan to meet who? Hmm, Sydney LaForge. Who yeah. was? Wait, was she? Wait, what? She was the daughter of Jordy. the pilot of the D of the Enterprise D, and she's a pilot. Where have we seen that before? Yeah, I yeah. wonder. Star Trek Generations, when when Kirk, Scotty, and Chekhov are aboard the Enterprise B, and they meet Demora Sulu, um, who is the helmsman of the Enterprise B. Again, I mean, like, it's just like, guys, come on, guys. Really? All yeah. right. Come on. Yeah, just, yeah. Just, go. Just, just have fun, kids. <laughs> I don't think it's nearly as bad as The Force Awakens. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. I mean, you mean uh you mean uh, a new hope part two? <laughs> yep. The new hope reboot. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me think of a Battlestar Galactica. All of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> How dare you? As long as you keep paying us money, we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, more. Here's a bunch of money. Go make us go make another Battlestar Galactica. Okay. <laughs> I would, I would love, I would watch that absolutely. Yes, please, Ronald D. Moore, come back. Yeah, uh, I will say though, I haven't rewatched that show because it is depressing. <laughs> it's so dark. Yeah. Uh, it's beautifully dark, but I just haven't. I was like, uh, I don't, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> but it's so well done, so well done. Anyway, shout out to Ronald D. Moore. Um, yeah. It, Sorry, that just made me think of the ending of every Battlestar Galactica episode where they do those violent deaths of him and his his co cohort. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like a new animation every episode. Is it? Yeah. Anyway. Um, let's see. So I I guess we'll get in a bit. Um, I'm trying to remember. The big reveal, I think, doesn't happen until episode two, right? Like they correct the end of the the end of episode two. You know, will where I said nothing really bad happened or nothing yeah. of, of consequence <laughs> happens in the last half of the yeah. second episode. Completely, I mean that. I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, you could you could say that it's 
you'd seen it in Star Trek too, but I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, it's not I, like I, they had any other callbacks to any other Star Trek movies or series. Oof. So, you know, but uh, he does. Look, I, I know that it's easy to, to get all over the place and talk about a lot of different a- aspects mm-hmm. of how you feel about these episodes and whatnot. Um, but it is worth noting that at least they're treating they're treating the um, the franchise with kid gloves, and that that is noticeable. Yeah, I think. Um... Lost my train of thought. It has derailed. <laughs> um, sorry, I was still I thinking about. I was still you. thinking about the uh, the reveal of. We won't say anything yet about who he's revealed to be, but like um, the companion, Crusher's companion. You know, he's first coming. Like he calls himself Jack Crusher. I think in episode one, right? So you're like, what? Uh, Jack. I believe they say he's Jack. Is this uh, Jack? Or, yeah. Um, I'm not, and and he does reveal at the end of the first episode that he is um, Beverly Crusher's son. So you assume Jack Crusher, and of course that is that is reaffirmed in episode two, um, because in episode two, as you know, we um, we meet the big bad um, in you know in the flesh. Um, we get basically we get um, we get crazy Amanda Plummer, um, <laughs> who again another another Star Trek callback because. Yeah. Her father is Chris uh, was Christopher Plummer, who played, mm-hmm. of course, General Chang in Star Trek Six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was trying and... to. I went back and looked to see. I was like, I was like, I figured she had probably like had a guest role or something at some point. You know how they lo- they love to bring people back in Star Trek, but I couldn't find one. But then, no, yeah, no, I saw the that, first for her. Although she most was... people do associate her with um, with Pulp Fiction, she played mm-hmm. the role of Honey Bunny. So. Honey Bunny. Oh man! So I'm trying to place her. She's the uh, she's the short-haired blonde who, at the beginning of the movie, they uh, they basically hold up the restaurant. And I won't say oh, the yeah. line, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's because it's full of expletives. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, she does it again at the towards the end of the movie when they when they revisit the scene from another angle. Oh, okay, um, that's her. That's yeah, her. so okay. that's where she. Okay. That's where a lot of people recognize her from. So the cool thing is, I know that when they when they bring her uh, into this, uh, they were going to bring somebody delightfully unhinged, um, and of course, that's exactly what they got. I mean, look, you we haven't seen in Star Trek any bad guy who was really ever so bad as to do the baddest things. You know, I mean. Uh, we've seen ones that who have been so staunch and so stoic and so committed to their cause. I mean, look at Nero. Um, Nero. Yeah, I was, mean, the dude does blow a planet up, so that, yeah. that's, that's pretty bad. I mean, but at the same time, <laughs> realistically, it's like you you're like, oh, okay, he blew up Vulcan because he's oh, he's like oh, he just wants to show how bad he is. Oh, next. That's oh, true. No. Yeah, because you you don't you don't necessarily feel the the personal weight of it i guess maybe they just did it to him personally but yes so so the thing is like i mean i understand that we've got a bad guy and and they are getting they are getting better at making uh morally ambiguous bad guys um the from strange new worlds the episode the serene squall um the bad the big bad on that one very very cool 
Um, very awesome. Um, and you know, in this in this episode, it isn't just the big bad that they have to worry about. It's the fact that that they don't feel like they can trust um, these um, these people. Um, and um, the thing is that uh, we're just like they don't know if they could tr- trust anybody, and that's that's the whole point. Is mm-hmm. trust is a very very big um, thing for all these characters because they haven't seen each other for a very long time. They're getting a lot of things thrown at them all at once, and they don't know who or what to trust. Um, and of course, every time I do, they keep getting slapped in the dirt. Yeah, and that speaking of trust, I mean that that's something interesting. You know, as Picard and, and Will are talking about Beverly, they mentioned that she basically cut all of them off, that she cut all the old crew off, that she, you know, cut off contact that they hadn't heard from her in like 20 years. I'm like, that's interesting. I, I would not have, I mean, if I was writing it, I probably wouldn't have picked that, but I also didn't see anything to anticipate that happening. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see i'm assuming they'll explain you know at some point why she did that um but uh while we got we got about 8 minutes here so i definitely want to talk about the big reveal for a few minutes before we uh before we wrap up that oh. of jack you know being revealed to be picard's son you know at the i end. knew it i knew it i knew it <laughs> oh that's right you didn't see the end yeah, no, what but, you could see they telegraph they oh, totally man. telegraphed that in the first episode when Will was like, Does that remind you of somebody? Hmm, I wonder who that could be. Will, hmm, hmm. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And it isn't like we haven't seen this one before because we saw the same thing with Carol Marcus and Kirk and David. <laughs> so yeah, like I I I thought I definitely have mixed feelings about how they how they revealed and um in um in in preparation like actually just tonight uh before we got on uh i rewatched the old tng episode bloodlines where you have a somewhat similar situation where picard finds out he has a son that he didn't know about now different in that it was he had like a two-week fling with, with the guy's mom and he just, you know, he's like, well, maybe she just, she just never told me. She didn't want to tell me. She wanted me to just raise him on her own. You find out it's something different, obviously, by the end of the episode. But a mm-hmm. uh, similar timeline period there, too. It's like a 24-year period in Bloodlines. And in this case, it's around 20 years since he's talked to her. But obviously, this character is older than 20, you know. And I was going through, um, actually looked up a Star Trek timeline on Wikipedia and was going through trying to figure out, it was like, when would he have been conceived? And if he's, say, say for sake of argument, if he's around 30, it could have been like around the end of TNG, like around the time of the first movie or so, Generations, First Contact. Because I know we never saw clear evidence that uh, Picard and Beverly did the deed. <laughs> you know they they flirted around it so much yeah um but you know i was just in my head i was like okay well when and and like when did she go off and have this baby and why did she hide it from from everyone like like where did she hide the baby you know all kinds of questions which i don't hopefully they'll answer them well 
in the coming episodes. Um, I'm sure they will have to because they can't. You can't have that kind of reveal and like, yes, it's his son. And they're like, okay, next, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> okay. never to be talked about again. <laughs> like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 back the starship up. Wait a minute, hang on. <laughs> like what? No, 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 no. You don't get to lead off by that and then and then just leave us hanging. No. No. What I one thing I do want to know is why does he have a British accent? Because that that's not me. that's not it's not genetic. Yeah, I say that reminds me of an old old it's video okay. from like the early two thousands called Thumb Wars, and they all these it was like a it was basically like a Star Wars parody, and all the characters were thumbs, and and uh, the guy goes, they're all sitting around like they're they talking about with like the like the scene the boardroom scene in in the first movie, and they're like. And the guy, they're all asking these questions. And this guy goes, I have a question. Why are we from out of space? And we all speak with British accents. When there's no, <laughs> was it, uh, sorry, was it? Why do we all speak with British accents when we're from out of space and there's no Britain? <laughs> or, or why does, okay, why, does a, why does a Frenchman, you know, speak with a very strong British accent? <laughs> yeah. Ah, but they do explain that in season two of Picard. Oh, did they? They do. They do actually explain why why Picard has a British accent. It's because uh, they talk about it. Um, they say during World War II, um, Chateau Picard was taken over by the Nazis. So the Picards of the time fleed to Britain and mm. they stayed there for several, several generations until later on when they could go back and reclaim Chateau Picard. So uh -huh. um, so a lot of the a lot of the people, a lot of the descendants still spoke with British accents. So they kind of retconned it a little bit in a way that wasn't stupid. Okay. Okay. I'd forgotten about that. Um, but yeah, in this one, it doesn't really make much sense because if he grew up with Beverly, Beverly is, has a very American accent. So like, where does his come from? Which I, I suppose. Daddy. It, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> although here is a possibility, like, because obviously all that Beverly gives Picard is, is a look to indicate yeah that's your son but they haven't seen each other in 20 years what if she's lying what Maybe. if it's what if he's not picard's son could be mm. if she might have a re like if she wanted to protect him for some other reason knowing that picard would go to greater lengths to do so um but once again come back to trust like why has she talked to picard in 20 years like what's going on there Hmm. I guess we shall see. And and what happened to I now I will say I was disappointed. Like um my uh, my dad and my sister who three of us like watching Star Trek together. Oh, we lost Will. <laughs> um we were sitting there together and I was like talking about how I was bummed that the um the part of all good things where you know Picard and Crusher were married. Yes, they got divorced, but like they had they were married. It's like it's like wait is that that's not going to come to pass now? They're like ah, so that's not going to be canon. And now they've got you, they've got you, fooled you. <laughs> it's like it's all cute, cute, Q fucked it up. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I mean, I know it was kind of left open as to whether that was like real timeline or not, at, even back then. But yeah. I was kind of hoping that it that it was canon. Um, mm. But they're definitely. It seems like they're definitely throwing that out. Unless they get married during season three. Ooh, you never know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, let's see. We got about 90 seconds. Um, and we lost Will, so bye, Will. 
Um, I will. Have fun. Be safe. So, so yeah, like, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to have, have you back on Lars when the, when the season finishes up and, um, maybe your co-host as well. Maybe, maybe we can even do a crossover or something cool like that. It'd be fun. No. Yeah. And, um, talk about how it all ended and whether they did it justice. <laughs> yeah. And see if I got a vein bulging on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They better not butcher it the way lost got butchered. That's all I have to say. Oh, oh, my, go- oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right. Well, thanks for, for coming on Lars and um, yeah. And Casey, sorry, we missed you. If you're, if you're listening to this, um, you migraines will. suck. So we hope you feel better soon. And, uh, and will you need to buy a new computer? <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's always good talking to you guys. Uh, you too, Lars. Have a good one. Live long and prosper. (laughs) Hey, nerds. Thank you so much for joining us for another week's episode. And thank you to Lars DeCenza for coming on to talk about Star Trek once again. By the way, check out his work. He is a co-host of the Treknicity podcast. He's the primary producer of said podcast as well. Check that out on YouTube. You can watch the video versions there. I believe you can also watch the video versions on Spotify. Those are the two best places to check out the Treknicity podcast. Check out also the Red Shirt Geeks YouTube channel. You can find Lars there as well as, you know, Treknicity and the Richard Geeks are also on Instagram. So you can find them there. And Lars himself is on Instagram at Fooktographer. So give him a follow, listen, subscribe, like, comment, all those good things. Thanks again, Lars, for your support of the podcast and for coming on once again to talk Trek. Coming up next week, we are going to talk about a comic book related topic. Yusagi Yonjimbo. It is Will's favorite comic book series, so I am looking forward to picking his brain about that. He is going to regale us with stories of his experiences with that comic book of the time he met Stan Sakai, all that good stuff, so don't miss it. That's coming next week on the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. <laughs>